Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today on the show is Derek, Sarah, and Braylon Luke. For years, Derek Luke, a police officer in Nebraska, valiantly tried to dissuade his son, Braylon, from pursuing a career in law enforcement. But God had other plans. Listen to the Luke share their story on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you, Sarah, for the introduction. And hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. The academic year is quickly fading as Cedarville University's commencement ceremonies are just weeks away. Today in the program, I'm talking with a recent Cedarville graduate, as well as his parents, who are with me in studio. Braylon Luke graduated one year ago with a degree in criminal justice, and today he works for the Kearney Police Department in Kearney, Nebraska. Braylon has always had the desire to be a police officer for one very good reason. He wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps. Derek Luke, Braylon's dad, has worked in law enforcement since 1998, and today he is a lieutenant with the Kearney Police Department. Sound familiar? Braylon and Derek not only have a father-son relationship, but they're also colleagues. Derek's wife and Braylon's mom, Sarah, has a lot on her mind when she knows two of the most important men in her life see danger nearly every single day. We'll talk about how she handles being a police wife and mother So let me welcome for the first time to the Cedarville Stories podcast, Derek, Sarah, and Braylon Luke. Welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. So before we talk about being a police family, which is the gist of today's conversation, I understand that Derek was originally from Kearney, so you're back home. Yes. And Sarah's from Algonquin, Illinois. So how did the two of you meet at Cedarville? Uh, Do you recall getting together? Uh, What was that situation like when you (laughs) were college students? We do, actually. We have a pretty funny story. Uh, I kind of ended up here on accident, if there is such a thing, right. uh, through God's will. So I uh, originally was on my way out to visit uh, Liberty, and I met my dad here in Cincinnati. I flew into Cincinnati. My dad was here for a meeting, and we decided to come up here for a short visit uh, because we had some time. And I came here as this was my first uh, college visit, and left with no intentions of ever coming back. But as God uh, would have it, this became my measuring stick for yeah. all future school visits. And through all the other school visits I did, Cedarville measured much higher in all areas. And this is where I decided to come back. So what what kind of meeting, did you ha- did that have any connection with the area? Or? None, no, he was born in, well, Colorado, but that we all lived in Kearney, Nebraska. And, yeah. and dad was out here for a seminar in Cincinnati. And he had flown out ahead of time, and then I flew out and met him in Cincinnati, and we drove up here and just thought we'd take a quick visit and um, went back, and then I went and spent the weekend at Liberty with a friend of mine and uh, ended up coming back here. That's where I wanted to go. I'm glad you did. How about you, Sarah? So I'm from a Baptist church back in Illinois, Mm -hmm. and I knew a lot of people that had come to Cedarville that were older than me, and... I knew I wanted to go into nursing, and there weren't many Christian colleges at the time that had an accredited nursing program, and Mm -hmm. Cedarville did. Mm -hmm. So I loved Cedarville just through the other people that I knew that went here. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a bit more expected for me to attend Cedarville, but for Derek to come clear out here from Nebraska, where nobody really had ever heard of Cedarville, was was kind of a miracle. And and you really hadn't really heard of Cedarville that much, right? No, I'd, I'd really never mm-hmm. heard of it at all. I went to a Christian school 
our Christian college career fair yeah. in a little tiny town in, in, in Nebraska. And it, somebody was there representing it. And so I grabbed a brochure and then brought it home and my parents and I looked at it and, uh, we thought, well, you know, we'll give it a shot since Cincinnati wasn't that far away. And no. what really drew me here was the chapel. Um, the chapel and the, the students interaction with me was nothing I had ever experienced, even at, at church at home, right. the, just the draw to chapel and what that meant and that it was mandatory, um, meant a lot to me as a senior in high school. And I, when I went to other Christian universities throughout the country, all the chapels were optional and they yeah. didn't take attendance. And of course, yeah. back then we were at the little old chapel, but mm-hmm that was such a a huge difference in intent right and intentional christ or christ focus right it speaks to how important chapel is yes and that's still the the heartbeat of campus today so and in fact you just came from chapel right we did, we did. okay let me tr- let me shift to, to braylon and braylon as you reflect on your 1000 days at cedarville what are some highlights that come to your mind oh there's a lot of them some of the highlights would just be uh, friends that I made uh, along the way at Cedarville. You know, I made uh, lifelong friends while I was at Cedarville. My wife and I visited some friends um, just a few weeks ago. They live in Michigan. We live in Nebraska now. We took a weekend, drove up there and just visited them. I'm always calling with my other, my roommate that I lived with in Lawler for, you know, a couple of years. And um, so Memories that stick out are definitely the friends and the people that I did life with. Well, at Cedarville that I lived with, I went to class with, went to church with, uh, you know, went out to eat with while I was at Cedarville. Um, you know, studied the the Bible with, went to chapel with. The classes that I took, those are good memories. And the professors that I had and interacted with, it was top-notch you know, instruction and teaching. So it's really unfair for me to ask this follow-up question, but uh, so you talk about professors. Um, any favorite professors come to mind? And and, and if anyone does, uh, what did they teach you? If I had to pick, I loved all my professors. Um, one that really stuck out was Dr. Marsh. Uh, I had him for Bible and the Gospel my freshman year, and then I had him for Theology too. also when I took that my junior year. My younger brother's actually taking that now. I told him he needed to take it with Dr. Marsh. The way he just explained the gospel basics freshman year um, and, you know, the foundation that Bible and the gospel creates for the rest of your Bible liner. And then the way that he was able to tie that together when we got to the O2 uh, and explain, you know, as we talked through soteriology and what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be given to us and all these things. And then uh, he and Dr. Marsh and his wife, uh, Kim, were then uh, Alyssa, my wife, and I, we did Fit to be Tied with them. So it was just a really neat connection that started my very first you know, year at Cedarville and continued all the way through. So in many ways, that was a transformational kind of class for you. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I grew up in church and um, in the faith and was a Christian. But you go to college, you know, I, I went to college a thousand miles away from home. You make your faith your own. I remember Dr. White saying well, that first week in there, God has no spiritual grandchildren. And I took that to heart and kind of struck me sitting there in chapel listening to hear that, listening to him say, say that. And uh, it was a, a great journey. I 
I loved every second I was at Cedarville and in classes and uh, the professors that got to teach me. Let's transition to the topic of being a police family, which I presume can be difficult given the state of our country today. Sarah, let's begin with you. I don't know your hometown. I don't know mm-hmm. Kearney and you know how safe it is or how dangerous it is. Um, but how, how many days are you concerned for the safety of Derek and Braylon who are putting their lives on the line, so to speak, as police officers when they leave for work? Mm-hmm. Does that come across your mind a lot? All the time. It, it comes across all the time. In the very beginning, when Derek was just starting out, I know we would pray together before his shifts. And when we were home together with me as a nurse, sometimes I'd already be at work. But it was, it was always on my mind. But I learned that I can't live with that always on my mind every day of every moment of my life. So I really, over time, have had to learn how to set that aside and give that over to God many times, sometimes many times in a day, depending on the temperature of the day, what's happening, what's happening in town, what's happening nationally, you know? And so it's just a constant laying down of my fears and laying down of my own worries and asking God to just take them because I, I can't, I can't live a healthy life. In fear. In, in fear, for no. sure. So how did you get to that point? And, and what did you do tangibly that yeah. moved you in that direction? Well, Derek pointed out to me, you know, he, he has been trained well. They, they do a lot of training in how to respond and how to back each other up. And so I take comfort in he's been given the equipment and the training to do his job. And I've seen that you can have any kind of injury or accident in your own home. It, you can, anything can happen anywhere at any time. And so I just had to realize that God knows the number of our days and I need to lean into him, press into him with those fears and know that um, he's got everything in his hands. I don't know if there's a tangible way. It was just a lot of prayer, a lot of, of just laying down my own fears and talking with other police wives. There's a pretty good network of police wives. And now we're on Facebook. And so there's all kinds of groups and, and so just knowing that I'm not alone in these, it is a bit different to be a police mom. Yeah. I'm interested there. That is that is different. When you're a police wife, you are a team. Your husband and you, you're a team. And what you face day in and day out, you face together. When you're a police mom, my son and his wife face whatever comes. And I am in the wings. And so there's a lot more, there's a lot more worry. It might sound kind of surprising, but it's, I think she loves Braylon more than oh, me. Oh, <laughs> that's great! It's, it's different when your child is the one out there experiencing what you know your husband has experienced for twenty-five years, yeah. and and so that's just a whole nother level yeah. of concern and worry, and just more chances to trust God and to know that He's got us. He's got Derek. He's got Braylon, and He is faithful. Yeah. So. Um, 
Derek, uh, I've talked with police officers on this program in the past. And one thing I've learned is it can be difficult to leave police work at work mm-hmm. and, and not bring it home, so to speak. How are you able to separate being a police officer from being a husband and a father? <laughs> Sarah will tell you I failed at that for a long time. Oh, I knew um, you did not. It was, a, it was quite a challenge for me to learn how to do that because I was so excited about what I did. I'd come home and want to talk about it. And it through the natural tendency to talk about it came the good and the bad with it. Right. Uh, so what I ended up having to do was decide on a physical place on my route home that I had to shut off work. And at that, at a certain intersection, then I had to switch to home mode. And because I would come home and still be a police officer to Sarah and the kids, right. and that didn't usually go very well. I used to tell him he had authority at work and with the law, but at, at home, we're not criminals under his <laughs> authority. We are his family. When you go home, there's a new sheriff in there town. Is exactly, yes. I'm no longer the law. No. <laughs> not the boss, not the law. So I had to learn to turn that off. Early on, I would, I would see uh, somebody I knew that had a warrant or I'd need to arrest or somebody I'd been looking for or a car I'd been looking for all day. And when we would be out just grocery shopping or whatever, and I would say, oh, that was, and I would tell the story. And I realized she helped me realize that she has no no care about this, no concern about this. And I need to turn that off. So turning that off became a physical point for me on the, on the route home. And then I'd have to re-engage. Okay. What did Sarah do today? What am I supposed to be remembering about the kids' activities and, and right. what happened in her life today. Uh, yeah. Because mine may have been super fun and exciting and, and a lot of action, or it could have been re- relatively slow and boring. But to not, as Sarah would frequently remind me, not be a drill sergeant at home right. uh, and, and love the kids right. as kids. Yeah. Braylon, you've been on the force for about four to five months now. How are you dealing with handling the separation of work from your home life? <laughs> it's definitely an adjustment. I thought I would, you know, have that figured out you know, growing up in a law enforcement family. I, I thought I would know exactly what that looked like, but it's, it's different when it's you doing it. You know, you have the things you have to keep track of at work, the reports you have to stay on top of, the policies and procedures you have to memorize. And then, you know, in finishing up the FTO process, you're being graded and critiqued every second of every day. So for 12 hours a day, somebody's you know, nitpicking you, grading you. So that, that wore on me a little bit more than I thought it would. I had to realize when I come home from work, I've got to make sure I'm home. My wife's been amazing. She's been very supportive uh, in helping me adjust to that because there's, you know, I have to study at home too for part of the tests through the FTO phase. And thankfully with the things I see at work, having my, faith and foundation sets me up very well and better than any, uh, you know, other officers that don't have that faith, you know, when a death happens or, you know, child abuse, you see things like that where a non-Christian may be left wondering, you know, the reasons for that and just pondering the, the injustices and you know, what's, you know, why, why is this, this isn't fair. Why is this happening? You know, I, I'm still disgusted by those things. And they wear on you, but 
they're not a a burden on my soul in the same way that I think it would be for non-Christian. I know the reason for sin in the world uh, and the importance of combating it and what to combat that with, and that's the love of Christ and the good news of the gospel. And I also don't have to fear that. You know, I don't fear what some other people may fear or be burdened with. So I think that's that all goes together in how I've adjusted the home life and work life. It's a balance, but it all ties together in you know the foundation of what you believe about the world and how you see the world. As I am, as I was preparing for today's program, I read a news story from the Kearney Daily Hub that Braylon wanted to be a police officer since he was a kindergarten student, which wasn't the desire of Derek and Sarah. So they tried to encourage Braylon to pursue a safer career, maybe engineering, which he was probably <laughs> pretty good at. Why did you try to lead Braylon in a different vocational direction, Derek? Uh, that was a, a very big challenge and a hard issue that I had to overcome. I did not want him going into a a career, a potential career, but certainly a job field that was becoming less and less popular and more dangerous, uh, more targeted for violence every year. I have seen massive amounts of change in policing, but also in the respect towards law enforcement. And I just didn't want him to go and have to ex- be exposed to that or right. to feel that that pressure or that sometimes the feeling that everybody is against you, whether you do right or wrong. And I, I just wanted him to enjoy a different field, yeah. uh, one that was maybe paid better, had better hours. Um, you didn't have to work nights, weekends, holidays, birthdays, mm-hmm. anniversaries. That Those fields exist, and I wanted that for him. So for 17 years of his life, I tried to talk him out of it. Right. And uh, we, especially Sarah, (laughs) uh, really tried to expose him to other arenas, other careers. Um, And then his senior year, I decided, well, we both decided together, you know, who are we to determine what his calling is? This is God's arena. We shouldn't be playing in it. And if God is leading him down this path, then we should be supporting it. And if we don't support his career, we're not doing God's will. Yeah. And so we both decided, probably me sooner than Sarah, uh, but we talked about it. We really have to get on board with supporting this. And so yeah. I decided, okay, I'm going to get him as much exposure and experience in the law enforcement arena as possible. Okay. So I uh, got him signed up for some ride-alongs. Mm-hmm. I got him uh, to, or I, I started explaining work to him more often. Um, I would tell him about stuff that I was doing uh, that I was exposed to and really decided this is my opportunity to truly introduce him to it before he comes to school with a major in mind. Yeah. And what I learned out of watching him react to his exposure was he's a servant. This is who he is wired to be. God designed his mind and his heart to work in this field. Mm -hmm. And who am I to push him out of it? So when I realized that, when I made that switch in my head, um, he really came to light. Uh, He really opened up and he really became openly interested in it. So just curious, um, since his senior year in high school to date, uh, police have taken 
a lot of criticism, largely undue, not totally, but largely undue. Um, there's been a movement to defund um, mm -hmm. police officers. How has that impacted where you fall with, with Braylon and this the whole family dynamics? Well, every career has people in it that shouldn't be in it. It doesn't matter. Every job has people doing it that shouldn't be doing it. Uh, that's no different than policing. Policing is the same way. We have people in law enforcement across the nation. Some should not be in it. Uh, right. And for every bad one, there's 15 good ones. Sure. And our thought was this is getting this, the notion against law enforcement is turning sour, but Braylon's a good one to be in it. Okay. This is, this is where he is going to shine brighter in a darker environment right. because of the word of God in his heart. That's great. And, and his love for people, his care, his, the way he thinks and uh, just the, the way he operates, this is his environment. And we were, at least I, I think we can, I can say for both of us, we were never concerned about should he continue in this yeah. because this is where God has him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, my uh, my dad always said, "You don't want to be where God doesn't want you. You want no. to be where God wants you, right? Regardless of how fierce the battle, if God wants you there, you want to be there." Uh, let's turn the conversation to Braylon. So, uh, even though your dad Braylon was discouraging you to pursue a different vocation, did you ever waver in your desire to be a police officer? I mean, there was. I went through a, a few years in high school where I really debated whether I wanted to do law enforcement or engineering. I took a lot of engineering classes in high school. Our, our high school was a little forward thinking in the way that they did an engineering program. So I took you know, CAD classes, design classes. I really enjoyed that. But at the end of the day, I always kept coming back to law enforcement is what I wanted to do. That was a desire and a passion you know, since I was five. My dad would come home for lunch, you know, and his police car would be in the driveway and so that's just always something that stuck with me. And then as I got older, I got to see the ways that law enforcement actually impacted people's lives. So, you know, you go from just having the cool car and the gun and fancy uniform to then you see, okay, how can you impact a person's life? You know, on a traffic stop, um, you come across a, a family that's down on their, uh, on their luck, you know, in a hard position. And what has God gifted you with or given you that you can impart on them is it a you know a financial gift you know as long as it's legal and ethical and moral there's nothing wrong with something like that uh is it a um a warning in lieu of a citation that might be warranted um and it's instances like those where you know mercy is displayed and ultimately that's a reflection of uh, god you know, that's, that's not something worldly. That's not a, a worldly concept of mercy. So there's a lot of different ways that you can have an impact on person's life and law enforcement, um, way more than just, you know, a traffic stop or, uh, you know, showing up on a call. Sometimes just react to a situation and handle something differently than another person can mean the, the world to somebody, literally, uh, whether it's a mental health call a you know, suicide call. all those things are uh, important a fraud call you know a scam 
things that can seem very mundane and routine to me on one end, you know, that's that person's life, you know, their big crisis at the moment. So to see the way that my dad displayed that and talked about that, the real parts of law enforcement, even though he was pretty adamant that he didn't want me to go into law enforcement, it was because of him that I wanted to do it, even though he you know, did everything he could to discourage me for it until he realized, well, I better start encouraging him because he's going to do it anyway. And since it seemed inevitable that Braylon was going to become a police officer, Derek, did you ever imagine he would work in the same department as you in Kearney? I never really did. Uh, and that sounds weird to, to even say out loud, but I always just thought he's going to end up somewhere else. Right. I didn't think he would come back to Kearney. I'm very, very happy and excited that he did. And I'm still pinching myself frequently <laughs> about it because it is just, I can't even explain the feeling I get when I see him, when I hear his voice on the radio. Uh, we've had we've had some opportunities to work together on the street together uh, on the same shifts. And that is so rewarding. That's a, a different level of pride and joy yeah. uh, that I had never experienced. And I didn't even really know how it was going to affect me. Because of my position, I I can't and won't ever supervise him. And I, you know, that's by design, but we can still work together. Right. And so when, when uh, I have opportun- opportunity to, uh, and I think it's appropriate, I do. And it's fun to see him and his reaction when I'm doing things. It's fun afterwards, he always calls or comes over and, and talks about how much fun he had working with me or That's what great. some of the other guys would say, you do this just like your dad. Or <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell whose kid you are, Braylon. And I was always worried about the perception or the reception of mm-hmm. other officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been there 25 years. I've trained a lot of them. They know me well, but you never know how they're going to react with your son. My concerns and fears have been handled by, handled by God in such a way that I could never have imagined. Uh, when he started his internship during his senior senior year here at Cedarville, I had nothing to do with it, even though it was my that was my job duty at the time. That was one of them. I handed that off to some other capable, very capable people, uh, so that there would never be question of. Uh, favoritism or me making right. it easy. In fact, I made it much harder for him. I required more of his internship than I had ever required of yeah. anybody else's. And I made sure that he was prepared, but I never made it easy for him. I made his life very difficult to get a job. Yeah. And I wanted him to be able to always know that he got the job because he earned it, not because I was al- already working there. Right. Um, that That's very important to me. And Well, it's important to him too. Right. It yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, we all want to know that we achieved something and we earned it. We are really rapidly coming to the end of the program. And I don't want to leave Sarah as a, a one who's just listening to our conversation. So no. I want to uh, wrap the program up with, with Sarah. And so let's fast forward mm-hmm. to the day when Braylon was sworn in into the Kearney Police Department. When you saw Derek, your husband, pinning on Braylon his collar brass, which is his badge number, on his uniform. Well... It was the same badge number that I pinned on Derek when he was sworn in. 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Derek was 
badge number 230. And um, I remember pinning his badge on and his collar brass. And so to sit there 25 years later and watch Derek pin the collar brass of that same badge number on Braylon, it was... Same badge, too. Yeah. Well, Braylon's, Braylon's wife pinned on the badge, and you pinned on the collar brass. It's my old badge. But it's your yes, old badge. it is. Yeah. It's Derek's old badge. Oh, that's really meaningful. Yeah. It's, yes, it's very incredible. And so it was surreal, the whole experience. And so the chief had asked if I wanted to pin part of the collar brass on with Derek. And I chose not to because I wanted to take it all in. And yeah. like, I think of Mary in the Bible where she pondered everything in her heart. And that's how I felt in that moment watching our son and his wife and then our son and my husband, his dad, participate in this ceremony. It was extremely rewarding. And I was, my heart was so full and I just wanted to take it all in. And so that's what I did. And it was, it was just a lot of praise and joy in my soul in that moment. And I knew I mean, I know what lies ahead in some ways. It's not easy, right. but I know that God has him and yeah. he's walking in his will. Yeah. So that's what every mom wants. Uh, it's a great story and a great picture. And I, I, need to, I need to let you have the final say, Derek, on, on that moment. What, what was that like for you? <laughs> I didn't have any ever anticipation of doing that. And so for having the, uh, to have the opportunity to do that, pin my actual badge number with it, or my badge number, my original color brass and my actual badge that still had his name written on the back of it of the people I protect on the back of the badges. We do that. Sometimes I wrote my wife and their kids, my kids mm -hmm. names on the back of the badge and his name was still on the back of that badge to do that was like a, a legacy. And I, I was just very proud. I was very blessed because without God, that opportunity would have never existed. Right. Um, and I was proud to pass it on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a fabulous story. And I can't end the program without getting Braylon's view on serving alongside his dad, being issued the same badge number as Derek once wore, and simply following in your dad's footsteps. What was that like um, on that pinning ceremony for you, Braylon? It's surreal, and it's very rewarding. And I, it's a very proud moment too. You know, I grew up very proud of who my dad was, what he represented, what he stood for. Uh, and that hasn't changed at all. In fact, I find myself more proud of who he is and how he carries himself now that I get to see it every day at work and how it impacts not only, you know, just the department, but then the community and uh, fellow coworkers. You know, I, it's, it's just, it, it's amazing. I, it's a dream that I had for a long time. One of those things that when it finally happens, you're kind of like, wow, I can't believe this is actually here. And it's actually reality. In a lot of ways, I feel like I don't deserve it. Definitely. But I think that's the beauty of uh, life and what you end up realizing as you go through it is you're not deserving of anything. And yet, you know, God loves us so much that he, he gives us his, his son. He gives us salvation, adoption, uh, his kingdom. And, it, and your entire life is a, a display and an analogy uh, 
for that reality. So on the force, uh, do you refer to him as Lieutenant Luke or you just, or can you call him dad at times? I, I try to refrain from calling him dad at work. Um, sometimes it's LT, other times the titles just avoided altogether and we just interact, you know, without giving each other a, a title or a name, uh, just in passing. Um, in in public, it's always the professional you know, Lieutenant Luke and officer so-and-so to everybody else. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's again, it's just a unique situation. I never thought I would actually get to experience. And so it's a lot of fun to experience now. So did you go back in my final question? Did you go back to Kearney for the police and this, and this police department because you wanted to work with your dad? That's a huge part of why I did it. Yes. Um, there, there were several reasons. I, I'd always wanted to work with my dad, of course. Uh, I always wanted to work in my hometown. Uh, but as I went to college and I you know, was taking classes and you know, lived on my own and got to see the world for what it is and the law enforcement profession for what it is, I did ride-alongs at different agencies. Um, I realized that you know the support that's here in the city of Kearney for uh, its police department in the state of Nebraska as well was really second to none. And that's something my wife and I you know, considered when we were, you know, deciding where we were going to live. Um, I don't know that law enforcement is the same everywhere in the nation right now. Um, obviously, you can have the same great impact everywhere, but it, it, it takes a toll on your family, on you as a person on where you're working and this was a good environment one that i'd always wanted to come work at to begin with uh that my dad worked at and felt that this is where god has called us for this season and for the time being this is where we're at that's today's cedarville stories podcast i want to really thank you um derek and sarah for uh coming all the way to campus and doing this podcast with, with me in the studio and Rayland, uh, thanks for joining us via Zoom. And um, you guys have a great story and a uh, great family, it sounds to me. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.